Welcome to Mums in the Making. Storm's grappling with the realities of being a new mum. And Rachel is currently pregnant. And neither of us has a clue what we're doing. And it would appear that neither do any of you. On this week's episode, we talk about 12-week scans. I went for what I thought would be my 12-week scan to find out that I was 21 weeks pregnant with a little boy. Shocked was an absolute understatement. Pregnancy worries. I remember having dreams about her coming out and her head just being, like, really tiny. Um, a, bit, a bit like if anybody's seen the film, film Beetlejuice. I remember having a dream like that where... Our head was really tiny. And that feeling that your team might not quite be as equal as you might have hoped. Dad will always be able to go out and have fun and will always be able to pretty much do what he wants. And the mums will always have baby and will always have to forgo some level of fun. Even if they're out enjoying themselves, their brain will still be wired to home. Now we're going to kick off this episode by discussing Rachel's 12-week scan. So here is our resident midwife, Carla, to remind us what we can expect from that first scan. The first scan that you're usually offered in pregnancy is between 10 and 14 weeks, and we call this your dating scan. The clues in the name, really, this scan is used to calculate your estimated date of delivery, so your EDD, based on the measurements we take at this time. Also during the scan, we're looking to make sure your baby is growing in the right place, that it's developing as we'd expect at this gestation. And also, this is the time where you'll find out how many babies are in there. So you might have a surprise when you find out there's more than one. During this scan, we'll also offer the chance to have the combined screening test. So this is where we're looking at the baby's chance of having Down syndrome, Edwards syndrome and Patau syndrome. We take a measurement of the baby's fluid around the back of the baby's neck and combine this with the results of a blood test, so blood taken from your arm. The results of that give you either a high or a low chance of having a baby who has Down syndrome, Edwards syndrome or Patau syndrome. For more information on this test and all the screening tests available, if you look at the NHS website, there's loads of really great resources on there. For this scan, it takes about 20 minutes. Um, It's really important, please come with a full bladder. As you can imagine, your baby is quite tiny at this point, about five centimetres long, so it's quite difficult to do those measurements. If you come with a full bladder, it makes those images much, much easier and those measurements easier to take. Hello? Hello. Hi. So, we're on week... Well, you tell me, what week are we on? Because we may have skipped one. So, according to my scan... Yay! My, my in inverted commas 12 week scan <laughs> we are actually 14 weeks so remember when I was worried about the massive uterus and the baby measuring very long in the eight week scan that is because we're in fact more pregnant than we first believed which means you're closer to the finishing line is that oh, yeah. good bad oh yeah I'm, I'm ecstatic I'm very happy about it and I was consoling myself because I was thinking, okay, that's two weeks more reason why I should be this large. <laughs> Turns out, even 14 weeks, most people not this large. And Rachel's not the only one to have had a 12-week scan surprise. Hiya, my name's Annabelle. I went for what I thought would be my 12-week scan 
to find out that I was 21 weeks pregnant with a little boy. Shocked was an absolute understatement. Hi, this is Catherine from Basingstoke. Um, we had two big surprises when we had our 12-week appointment. The first one, which was the best, was the fact that after two miscarriages and a failed IVF, we found that our baby was safe and well and growing. And the second one was kind of a bonus, really, in that we turned up to our scan appointment and noticed that our friends, who neither of us knew the other was pregnant, was also pregnant there. And uh, we got to share our whole experience together. And she found out she was having twins. It was brilliant. <laughs> I've realised that the pregnancy tagline is basically two parts. First one is perfectly normal. That's perfectly normal. And then the second part is everybody's different. And it's like, how can it be perfectly normal? <laughs> These two things they do not live in harmony so basically anything you say to anyone they say oh yeah normal normal talk to a midwife they say that's normal and they also say oh everybody's different everybody's different try going through pregnancy with an economist background because <laughs> they say oh yeah that's that's normal i'm like yeah i want stats how many people <laughs> suffer from this give me percentages here are we on less than one percent because if so that's not normal this is why you were so obsessed with the head measuring. You actually got the measuring tape out. Which percentile is he in? I must know how many rates and ranks. A million percent, everything. So his tummy was measuring large and his head was measuring large. So not too dissimilar to his mum at that point. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I was obsessive about it, but also because... Uh, pre the scan I was convinced that my baby had Zika I think we've covered this before but uh, I got pregnant in the Maldives and the Maldives has a low risk of Zika but I just see risk again as a worry warrior and so I decided I had three midgey bites the whole time I was there and decided that one of those bloody midges that bit me must have had the Zika virus. And not only did they have it, they passed it on to me. Not only did they pass it on to me, but I then passed it on to the, the fetus. And I had convinced myself completely. So when I went for the scan, the one thing I wanted to know was how big is that head circumference? So I asked the nurse, asked, it wasn't the nurse, the sonographer. And the sonographer looked at me really strangely and said, yep, yep, it's normal. That It's normal. I was like, what, what does that, where in the range of normal is he sitting? I need you to show me pictures of many babies and line them up from small to large. You've got no idea. That's literally what I said. So she said, I'll, I'll tell you at the end of this, just let me get all the other measurements. So that was the longest scan in the world. And then at the end, I said, okay, head circumference, where is he in the range? And she was like, he's in the 90th percentile. And even though I knew what this meant, I still had to make it very clear. I said, so if we lined up an average 100 babies, he would be 90, as in one of the biggest heads in that in that grouping. And she said, yes. I was like, great. So then I went with another problem home. I was like, oh my God, he doesn't have Zika, but how am I going to give birth to this bad boy? <laughs> See, it's, it's funny how... Even when, sometimes when you worry so hard about something, even when you're then presented <laughs> with the evidence that you have this strange disbelief of it, like the evidence is looking you in the face, but you've managed to convince yourself that whatever you've been catastrophizing is true. 
And then eventually you get this weird like relief that it's not true, but also like, why did I put myself through? <laughs> like I was convinced we've talked about it before that, you know, I had this like really horrible creeping fear that the baby mm. was going to be in parts. It was just going to be blobs or parts where I wouldn't have grown in. I was worried that there wouldn't be a head. And this on the surface seems like a very irrational thing as I'm seeing it now. I can still feel those fears like bubbling underneath, even though now I have seen it. It has got a head. But when they put the uh, ultrasound on, obviously I have very little experience in being ultrasounded. Um, I've had it done twice now and both have been very different experiences. But when they put it on, because it's seeing through your belly and through the baby's body. And again, this is not a science podcast. <laughs> so if you're listening and you know how ultrasounds work, I apologize. But they are looking through you and the baby and for whatever reason, wherever they put it first, two blobs showed up on the screen for the first five seconds. And I thought, oh my God, that's it. That's it. Fear's confirmed. The baby is just in parts floating around my massive eggplant shape. I can't uterus. believe that's where your head went. Mine's would have went, ooh, it's twins. <laughs> but we'd already had it confirmed that there was only one tiny sleeping thing in the eight-week scan. So, But then it started to appear more baby-like, and then they start sort of rolling it around your stomach and going, and there's the heart, and there's the head, and there's a leg, and there's another leg. And I'm like, oh, my God, it has legs, legs, and then arms. So all of the bits appear to be there. Again, perfectly normal. Everything's perfectly normal. Um, so that is great. But the wee blighter would not sit still. And the first thing they say when you go in is, um, if the baby doesn't lie flat, we're not going to be able to get the measurements. But don't worry, you can come back another time. I'm like, oh, lovely. Oh, friend, you do not know the anxiety I've <laughs> been like wading <laughs> through to get to this. So if I have to come back, I might come back a much more present woman. So clearly, it's very normal to have anxieties and worries during pregnancy. And you've guessed it, everyone's worries are slightly different. Hi Storm, um, my name's Stephanie. So my worry the whole time I was pregnant was that my baby wasn't actually going to be mine. Um, we had fertility treatment and we had ICSI treatment. So the embryo was fertilised out with the body and my main worry and concern was that they had mixed the embryos up in the clinic and I ended up with someone else's. My name is Pat Willits and I just wanted to say when my daughter was pregnant with her first child she worried about everything but the most anxiety was she accidentally came across sheep on a day out and then found out that it could leave an unborn child with no eye development but she worried sick until the baby was born, so she could not enjoy her pregnancy whatsoever. My name is Suzanne and I was pregnant with twins last year and <laughs> my anxiety was around the size of one of my twins' heads. Uh, they mentioned that her head circumference was quite small um, and I don't know why, but I just got so anxious about that and I remember having dreams about her coming out and her head just being like really tiny um a bit a bit like if anybody's seen the film, film Beetlejuice I remember having a dream like that where her head was really tiny hello Storm so this is Vicky from Bristol this wasn't me this was my husband 
Scott, he um, was convinced that it was a ghost pregnancy, even though I told him time and time again. I had all the symptoms. I knew I could, I just felt in myself, he knew I was pregnant, had the test, took it twice. And every day he'd be like, yeah, but you know, it could be a ghost pregnancy, you know, your body's faking it to, uh, because you really want to have a baby. Um, <laughs> he convinced himself that uh, I was faking, my body was faking it. And um, it wasn't until we actually went to the scan, at the 12 week scan, that I turned around and there was a baby straight on the ultrasound, I looked at him and I was like, I told you! <laughs> and then the baby was just dancing around, like kicking shit out of me as well, like just absolutely going for it. I was like, no wonder I'm feeling so uncomfortable. I mean, I don't know if you can actually feel it. No, not yet. And like a bit somewhere in your body, you must be able to feel it. Like mm. I can't feel physical kicking, but dear God, I've been so uncomfortable. So it's absolutely hammering away at me and then um, start turning over and arching its back loads. And that was um, that was like the first maternal feeling I've ever had. Like I said, like, I get maternal feelings from my much younger sisters. I did when they were little. And it made me realise how different being broody, feeling broody is to actually having like a mum feeling mm. because I can like, especially from hormonal in the run up to a period, I literally want to like snatch babies out of people's hands on the street and like smell them, <laughs> like take them home and put them in little clothes. But you don't. So I get, I, I don't, just to be clear. <laughs> if you saw a woman doing that, she just happens to look like me. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I understand Rudy, but that was the first moment I had a mum like it's not even a thought it was like a mum like burning feeling because the wee thing was like arching its back so much and I just said it's like deep is it hurting in there like is it pain is this painful is it uncomfortable they're like no no it's just in its own wee world and then I kind of got annoyed at it because it wouldn't lie still <laughs> I was gonna have to come back so then I had maternal mum like just sit darn you wee shit type feeling so that was a interesting you and then, had of course, the whole this... spectrum of oh yeah emotion. yeah i'm like i'm like worried for your safety then pissed off at you. that's how it started <laughs> mean to go on that's like how it's gonna go if you're late home from a night out worried 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 read it <laughs> that's, that's how it's gonna go but did you see its little fingers and its little feet and its little toes so i was concentrating so hard on whether it was gonna lie still or not which it eventually did I was just happy that it had a head. It sounds so basic, but I was so happy. And then they said that there, it had two arms and two legs. and saw its heart. And then I think, calling it it, terrible, but it was sitting on the umbilical cord. So that also was um, stopping the girl from getting a good measurement at first because they weren't sure of what the length was. And of course, for those of you who have yet to go through the 12-week scan, you're looking for the measurements to find out what your due date is. Very important. But you're also doing the measurements of between the neck and the top of the head mm -hmm. um, to find out whether it's in the normal range and whether the likelihood of Down syndrome is high from that measurement. So uh, thankfully, it, everything's in the healthy, normal range. So that was good. But that was consuming me to the point that I was like, okay, he can do without a finger <laughs> as long as we find out <laughs> and when he's due. <laughs> And what what the 
length of the, the hairdresser. And then, and obviously, this is another probably mum thing because every mum thinks that for whatever reason their child is, you know, somehow the most beautiful thing in the world. But we got this absolutely cracking scan picture. Yeah, it's beautiful. Like after the wee one was basically doing this like <laughs> Irish jig in the womb. <laughs> Which, by the way, no longer looks like an eggplant. <laughs> it's shrunk considerably. Um, so he's doing this like jig, and then it, they kept getting me to raise my bum and thud it back down on the table. Yeah, yeah, waggle my hips in the air and then smash it back down. So we had that a few times, and then we've got this absolutely beautiful photo. And obviously, people may just be seeing it, but everyone I show it to is like, "Holy shit, that picture is so clear." They're like, "How did you get?" as clear pictures that <laughs> people keep saying god it's an actual mm. proper baby yeah isn't it, it is perfect which is a funny thing to say it's a funny thing to say but it's because the picture is mm. so clear that you can actually see that it has a wee nose and whatever whereas sometimes you're just like so what am i looking at <laughs> so where's the feet so which end is that <laughs> and what's that wee bit there does that mean it's a boy so yeah we we find out the gender at 20 weeks but there have been guesses based on the photo on the scan what do you think it is now i'm leaning towards girl but Mm -hmm. that is because probably so many people have said the same thing i think it's just because it's got such a cute wee face um it is a baby yeah 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 but for whatever reason (laughs) for whatever reason everyone that looks at the picture says that looks like a wee girl i see a wee girl as well i have to say i i it just looks Teeny tiny and... Might be an effeminate wee boy with a, a wee girly face, who knows? Let's also bear in mind, it's 14 weeks in creation. This might be the burliest, biggest, most masculine male ever to be born. It has a long way to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like he's yet to grow into his nose. Um, if he was looking butch at this point, I would be afraid. I would be very afraid. Yeah, for sure. I had yes. a very different scan um, experience to you, and I think for two reasons, having listened to you. So first of all, we had the harmony test, so we had already tested for the chromosomal um, problems, so I wasn't really worried too much about the distance uh, between... Is it between the brain and the, the scalp? or there's? But you're right, there is a distance that they're measuring there. And I was more worried about the fingers and thumbs. And as I've told you before, really worried about club foot too. So once I had seen the feet and the hands and everything seemed to be in order, I was was really relaxed. And then it was just lovely just to watch the little thing. However, unlike your little bean, mine's just remained completely stationary. (laughs) Like his head was already ready to be born right down um, at my cervix. So they oh, couldn't wow. get a, a, a picture of them. So I had to do the lift your uh, hips up, bang it on the table. And it is, it's violent how hard you have to do it. <laughs> lift it up, wiggle it about. I mean, it's kind of exotic. Um, yeah. If it was a different <laughs> setting, I think Care might have enjoyed it. But it was like, <laughs> it was like wiggle it around, bang it on the table. And then I had to get up, jog in the spot for 30 seconds. Oh my back, God. Still wasn't moving. So they were like, right, leave, go have a fizzy juice, like a sugary juice. And then try jogging on the spot. So my goodness, did I did I, like I did laps around the hospital. I may as well had a number in the front and raise money for charity. I seriously went for it. I was up and down. Television was Storm Huntley in the lead. <laughs> so running upstairs back into the scan picture, thinking, right, this this thing has gone at like one eighty. Its head's going to be at the top. It's going to be great. We're going to get a great picture. I know. 
Um, and not to spoil it, but that baby didn't move for the whole nine months to the point where I was really? like, is this a problem? Oh, no, completely <laughs> normal. You know, everyone's different. <laughs> and as we are all a little bit different, we thought we'd add some of your experiences of your 12-week scan. But please be aware that some of these experiences do involve miscarriage. Hi, my name's Diane. Um, my first uh, 12 week scan with my eldest son was really quite exciting. Um, and also just a bit of relief, obviously, to see your baby growing and developing at a normal rate. Um, but he was literally doing a disco dance in my tummy and I couldn't feel it and it was just really surreal seeing this little baby like kicking his legs and waving his arms around and roly-polying and um, yeah it was really really um, quite joyful Um, but the second 12 week scan I had with my um, youngest was actually really nerve-wracking I'd had some bleeding around week 6 or 7 and the hospital refused to scan me until my 12 week scan I'm up in Glasgow um, and yeah that was really nerve-wracking going into the scan into the 12 week scan I'd also had a few friends that had lost um, babies around the 12 week scan so that was more just relief that one um, so yeah really contrasting scans um, with both boys <laughs> Hi I'm Emma um, and I'm like to talk about my 12 week scan with my now four year old miracle Imogen uh, Imogen was actually my fourth pregnancy but this was my first 12-week scan the the previous three pregnancies had ended in miscarriage um obviously 12 weeks of anxiety and going into that room and waiting for them to say this pregnancy is viable and they found a heartbeat as you can imagine was the most 12 anxious weeks of my life um but I just remember when Imogen appeared on the screen um she threw her head back um like she was celebrating with a and with a thumbs up to say look at me I'm okay but we can't ignore the fact that not everybody gets good news at their scan. Um, I'm just sat in hospital after my 12-week scan. My name is Victoria Draper. Um, and I found out my baby died a few weeks ago due to a molar pregnancy, which, for those that don't know, means that there's an abnormality with the placenta and basically it creates tumours and things and completely envelops the womb so today I'm going in for everything to be removed and then the surgeon came in and asked what I wanted to do with the remains and that completely threw me so yeah our hearts go out to you Victoria we are so unbelievably sorry for your heartbreaking loss unfortunately losing a baby at this stage does happen so here is our midwife, Carla, with a little bit more information. Really sadly, at that Dayton scan, sometimes you will be told there is no baby heartbeat. So we do know that one in eight pregnancies end in miscarriage before 12 weeks. But of those, about 5% are what we called a missed miscarriage. So that's when the baby has sadly passed, but there have been no signs that a miscarriage has happened. So obviously this is absolutely devastating for the parents who are so excited about that scan and everything that that brings with it. It's really awful. You will be offered, you should be offered ongoing support, therapy and care 
as there are some decisions to be made about how you proceed forward. So your sonography team and the staff in the clinic should definitely provide you with all of that information and support. And if they don't, if you look at tommies.org, which is a brilliant national charity, there's loads of information there about missed miscarriages and baby loss. Really good charity to look at. Thanks, Carla. And we've put the links to those resources in our episode description. So please have a look. OK, back to our week. Listen, tell me how this wedding was, because you were kind of looking forward to it with a little bit of anticipation last week. Did it go well? It did. It was a beautiful wedding. I mean, like, no expense spared. They really went all out. It was wonderful. It's down in Cumbria. The couple are beautiful and lovely and everything was like so meticulously planned out. But the part that I was uh, concerned about or thinking towards is obviously my health has been pretty poor in terms of the sickness. And actually the day before the scan, I had to get my boss to pull over and I was like sick and by traveling to and from work and all this very glamorous stuff. And... Also because everyone would be partying and it was the first time that I was properly meeting Sandy's best, best friend or most of his best friends that he grew up with. We were all sharing a a cabin together. And back in the day, I would have been very chipper, as you remember. It would have been life and soul of the party. Oh yeah, bouncing off the walls and things. But (laughs) that was not the cave this time. So um, yeah, it was amazing. And I really wish that I'd been able to enjoy it to the full but sadly I was pretty sick Sandy who's obviously his doting lovely self um, came and tucked me in at about half twelve uh, the night of the wedding when I was just too tired to go on so he tucked me in he's like I've got left water for you and he switched off the light half twelve's good innings by the way yeah and that was with an hour and a half nap sort of mid day <laughs> when I went um just after my second course, I went for a sleep. But I, I thought it was pretty good, yeah. But um obviously when you're staying up till eight, it doesn't seem like that late. Uh <laughs> but he went downstairs, I drifted off to deep and a wonderful slumber. Anyway, it was an old woken up half an hour later by Thomas the Tank theme tune lasting at full hell from downstairs. <laughs> and I absolutely shouted and woke up disorientated being like oh my god I'm in a log cabin oh yeah I'm at a wedding why the fuck is Thomas the tank engine blasting and so I texted and I was like get that off right now anyway he obviously wasn't looking at his phone but he moved into fireman Sam we had to be blasted postman Pat anyway did he not get I've never raised my voice to him and both barrels top of the stairs are you fucking serious <laughs> get that shit off Anyway, then what her. with everybody else at the party as well. Who's the two other people there? Let me explain. Who's so, <laughs> the two other people there? His best friend and his best friend's girlfriend. And I texted him and I was like, there better be an apology coming <laughs> because I'm not happy. And he goes, oh, sorry, I didn't realise it was that loud. Anyway, he then came up the stairs and he said, oh, but it's just Veronica didn't believe me that Ringo Starr used to be the voiceover in <laughs> Oh, Is well. that an apology or an explanation? I was like, oh, well, that explains it. All is forgiven. On you go. Just have a good night. No, but I was absolutely livid, as you would imagine. Things are so different now. And I know that sounds daft, because obviously 
that was always going to be the case. And I knew that on a superficial level, but I really understood it when I just realized, and actually watching your Instagram story <laughs> made it so real and made me realize that we're in exactly the same boat because dad will always be able to go out and have fun and will always be able to pretty much do what he wants. And the mums will always have baby and will always have to forgo some level of fun. Even if they're out enjoying themselves, they will still, their brain will still be wired to home. And that was the part that I came to terms with. And then I watched your Instagram story with Care having the best time of his life on stage, like shouting and jumping and having the whole crowd like screaming his name and you cutting to what was it? Uh, old MacDonald, an old MacDonald remix. <laughs> And I was like, yes, this is how I feel. I am I am resentful of the Thomas the Tank theme tune and he's having a good time. <laughs> Life parallel. You're a little bit right, but you're also a little bit wrong here because the context of that tweet when I tweeted a, a, a video of Kerr performing, because um, he's out on tour at the moment, cut to me at the exact same time listening to Postman <laughs> Pat or whatever it was, Twinkle Twinkle Little Star <laughs> uh, in remix was that the weekend before I had been on a hen do, the weekend before that, Kerr and I had got a babysitter and we had gone out on the Saturday night. And then next weekend, I will be on a hen do again. So I do get my time, but it just means that you get less time together, I suppose, and that's quite disappointing. Yeah. But I tell you the time that I realised, I, I had the same epiphany as you, that, oh my God, this has changed, but it's changed so much more for me now than it has for him and it was like a real sort of slap in the face moment was I was about the same uh, stage as you so I think it was 14 weeks I lie I was 12 weeks and it was Christmas day and I had gotten care like new trainers and new tracksuit I had got all sorts of like really cool stuff that he'd asked for some that he'd asked for some were surprises but it was like all sort of stuff that he loved and completely unpregnancy related. I opened my gifts and I got a maternity tracksuit, a maternity dress, a girdle to hold my pregnant belly, nipple cream, <laughs> a diary, bump diary to keep um, every week while I was pregnant. And I just thought, oh my God, there's nothing actually about me in this. There's nothing about my... Mm. And, and it was really just him showing how excited he was about the pregnancy and about the birth and getting involved with the fact that my body was changing. And he seen it as a really positive thing. But all of a sudden I was like, wow, the baby is not even here and m my life has changed. This Christmas day is different for me because mm. of it. And I think yeah. I, I sort of... I got through the present opening with a big smile on my face and was very appreciative of all the gifts. Thanks, I love it. <laughs> yeah. uh, but later on, I did have a chat with him, just sort of explaining how I feel. And he was really receptive to it. And I think that kind of helped going forward because he made adjustments and he, you know, all my gifts weren't sort of pregnancy yeah. related thereafter so it might be worth just having a wee chat with Sandy about how you're feeling it's not going to change the fundamental truth that you're pregnant and he's not yeah. but it could just open that dialogue and stop you feeling yeah and once the yelling subsided we did get to that point because the thing is we, because we, we don't 
say mean things to each other and we don't raise our voices to each other. So it was very out of character. But it was also the middle of the night and we'd had a really long day. It's, a, it's an amazing day being at a wedding. Like it, it was such a spectacular wedding. But they're long and and I and and I've been unwell, so there was just a lot. <laughs> it was the, the very last of my energy reserves. So I think that plus hormones plus sickness plus feeling a bit left out is a recipe for these sorts of things to bubble out. Yes, I'd say pregnancy in general has a funny way of making things bubble out. Including that moment when you realise that things have changed for you a lot quicker than they have for your other half. It's something that I think we all go through. Hello Storm and Rachel, this is Caro in Bristol. Um, I think the moment I realised that my husband's life was not quite as altered as mine um, was that while I was pregnant and coping with uh, you know, my changing body, he decided to go on a health kick and started running every day, having not really been doing terribly much before, and losing loads of weight and looking amazing. And I, anecdotally, I've spoken to loads of other people who have had been through the exact same thing. And while I appreciate that getting healthy is an amazing thing to do, and you know, you could argue that he's doing it for the family and the, you know, preserving his own health is very important. At the same time, there was part of me which was like screw you man like you had to choose the one moment where I was turning into a blimp to suddenly get really invested ah not happy very much not happy okay so my aha moment when it came to pregnancy um was on our honeymoon in Miami my husband and I booked this incredible Italian restaurant we rock up you know I'm ravenous I've been saving myself all day uh for this delicious meal take a look at the menu and realize that there is almost nothing that I can have on this menu thing so you know got pasteurized cheese unpasteurized cheese deli meats um truffle said to the waiter you know what can I have on the menu that's pregnancy friendly and he basically said to me you can have a margarita and that is it. So my husband gets, you know, the choice of this incredible menu and all I can have at this award-winning Italian is a margarita. So I think that sort of really brought it home to me just how much of an impact pregnancy has on, you know, your enjoyment of various things that you used to enjoy before. So I felt a shift probably a bit later um, in the pregnancy when people started to treat me differently. So on the way to work, they would move to let me sit down or would stare at me and my bump in the street. Um, and that's when I really started to realize that I was going to have this new identity and the gravity of what that really meant. So my um, moment of realization was in our antenatal classes. And I think it was around the fourth class um, or something, but we'd done a, a few classes and it was all very, you know, you're doing this as a pair and you're learning everything together. and man's helping the woman with all the birthing techniques and nappy changes and what have you and then it got to this class and um the girls you'll remember this the girls were taken to one side and told for the second half of the class it will be focused on like the damage that's going to happen to our bodies um and all the things physically that we need to be aware of in the birth process and for this part of the class the boys were sent to the pub and it just, I was flabbergasted because I thought they need to sit here and listen to what our bodies are going to go through. 
But actually, it's Thursday night and they get to go and have a beer. Here, I was also going to ask you how much, because I know things are busy for you at the moment and I know you've got a lot going on, but how much research have you been doing into pregnancy? By your stage, I had read three books because I always take the, the Irish consensus of three. Mm. You know, if I'm doing anything, if I'm getting somebody to fix the tiling in my bathroom, I'll get three builders in, three tilers, and I'll get quotes from all of them, and then I'll take the cheapest one or the middle one or whichever one I feel more comfortable with. But as long as there is three people telling me something, I feel like nobody's lying. How many snogophers so did it take to get your child's head measured? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I didn't get much option on the NHS, so I had to just go for the one, but I was very suspicious. <laughs> But yeah, so I read three books because I'm one of these people that I like to have more information than less and I can sort of divvy out the stuff that I think is nonsense and the stuff that I'm going to go with and and try and work it out that way. But what approach have you taken thus far? So normally that would be me in any other aspect of my life. I feel like I have been able to study it and become an expert, you know, or really at uni would just come away and read the same stuff over and over again until it embedded but in a bid to balance anxiety and also things that I can control because at the end of the day I can read as much as I want but I'm still unable to control any outcomes so that's caused a sort of research paralysis in a way because if I first of all all I want to look up is the bad stuff (laughs) second of all um Sandy's very nervous of me doing that because he wants me to focus on the positive which I get mm. my mum has bought me this huge tome uh, which is I think it's just called pregnancy but it's like in tiny text it looks like it was written like initially on a cave wall <laughs> it's like a very old it's book. actually the bible yeah, yeah. Just giving you. <laughs> just, I mean I wouldn't be surprised and um, so I need to have a look at that um, and Sandy has started reading the textbook Ready Steady Baby, which we got from the midwife. But aside from that, really nothing. I've been concentrating on listening to my body, but genuinely trying to work out what it is this baby is happy with me putting in there versus not. So that's really my focus. I wish I could say that I was really well versed. My friend Alex is like an encyclopedia on like babies and childcare. So Honestly, if I want to know anything, I normally text her and I'm like, what do you know about? And she brings, she'll like email back a short essay on the subject, her debates, her research findings. So yeah, I'm, I'm very poorly read. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think the looking up the negatives and the pessimistic things is probably not ideal. But whatever way, I mean, you know yourself and you know your body. So if that's going to decrease your anxiety, it would certainly increase mine. But if that's going to decrease your anxiety, then fire on ahead. But I don't think that would probably be advisable for the majority of mums to be but your friend Alex sounds ace she's a kind of friend that you want while you're you're having a baby oh yeah we should get her on the podcast just to tell us what we're supposed to be doing oh yeah she's she's very very clued up and also like nearly had in fact she did have her second baby at home so she's very into the home birth idea yeah she went out a walk and then she had some contraction then she came home and she's like oh baby's coming out and then paddling pull out and Jeannie was born oh and on that note I'm going to leave you <laughs> till next week that's fair see you later okay. bye 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 bye
Well, that's it for this episode. Join us next week when we're talking about bloating and exercise in pregnancy. Now, if you want to get involved, then follow me at Storm Huntley on Instagram. Send me a voice note if you want to become part of our mum squad. Until next week, it's bye for now.